This is our number two. It's time for the fastest 15 minutes in the news. This is Dory's Fastest 15. A world of news in a tiny 15-minute package just for you. That uh, hour number two echo is a little cre- a little Halloween now that I... A little creepy, yeah. I, I apologize for the creepy nature of it. I was going for festive, uh, and I went uh, uh, instead for fear, apparently. So uh, not my best work. All right, let's get to the fastest 15 minutes in the news. Um, an Iowa sportscaster. So we were just discussing how we were watching CNN. There's a CNN reporter who's downtown Colorado, literally finds an old banana on the ground, an old rotten banana, and to demonstrate how cold it is, she grabs the banana and hits it against a pole. <laughs> like, is this what we've resorted to? So, Nicole, you found this one. You said you fact-checked it. This is a real... I believe so. I was sent by a... Sent it by a friend, but I, I mean, as far as I can tell, this is a real sportscaster at so, KWWL. KWWL in Waterloo, Iowa. So he's uh, outside, and apparently, what happened is the sports guy got assigned to cover weather. Well, there's and, no sports happening, so well, it kind of makes sense. And also, but, when you're in a when you're in a market that small, you do everything. You run your own prompter, right. you anchor the news, you cover the weather, you do all this. But he's not happy about it. He's not happy about it, and he is like an instant sensation on the internet. How are you feeling out there? Uh, again, uh, the same way I felt about eight minutes ago when you asked me that same question, right? I normally do sports. Uh, everything is canceled here for the next couple of days. So what better time to ask the sports guy to come in about five hours normally uh, earlier than he would normally wake up, go stand out in the wind and the snow and the cold and tell other people not to do the same. I didn't even realize that there was a 3.30 also in the morning uh, until today. This is a really long show. Tune in for the next couple hours to watch me progressively get crankier and crankier. How do I get that uh, Storm Chaser 7 duty? I I feel like Clint got the uh, better end of that deal. You know, that thing's heated. Um, The outdoors currently is not heated. The good news is that I can still feel my face right now. The bad news is I kind of wish I couldn't. Can I go back to my regular job? I'm pretty sure, Ryan, that you guys added an extra hour to this show just because somebody likes torturing me because compared to two and a half hours ago, it is just getting colder and colder. Live in Waterloo for the last time this morning, thankfully, I'm Mark Woodley, New 7 KWWL. Oh, my gosh. You've looked into that. Mark Woodley's a real man. Yeah. Real sportsman. Yes, he is. That's funny. Yeah. And I, guy. I always like the sass, but it's so true. And you get them, you know, standing in the uh, the uh, three feet deep floodwaters telling everybody else, don't go into the floodwaters. And, you know, I, we had a news director once at Fox 13 who was really good, who was basically like, look, we're not we're not going to do that. It's cold outside or whatever it is. And we're not going to we're gonna, not going to do what we tell people not to do. And so, yeah, it's just ridiculous. So I, this guy is getting a lot of attention right now. People saying he's now their favorite. And I loved this uh, comment. You shouldn't have been so good at it. Now they'll always have you do it. That's probably true. So he probably, mm-hmm. it's like when they say, don't uh, answer the phones, because if you're really good at answering the phones, they'll make you answer the phones. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Mr. Woodley, Mark Woodley, he uh, did a really good job. All right, up next in the Fastest 15, uh, an update on a story we discussed yesterday. So we were talking on the show yesterday how Joe Kent, who was the Republican candidate in the 3rd Congressional District in Washington, the seat once held by Jamie Herrera-Butler, he loses to a Democrat, Marie Perez. 
Uh, and he came out finally yesterday and conceded, saying, OK, the recount is done. Uh, I'm now officially going to concede this race. But in his uh, concession, he also kind of alluded to what's to come. You know, he talked about how uh, the the turnout for Republicans is low and he wants to help to fix that. And he said, um, I'm far from done yet. I'll I'll let you know what's in store for me in January. Well, I actually had a. um so I was talking about that on the radio, and a friend of mine who was a Democratic political consultant was listening to the Dory Monson show yesterday, and I told him, I was like, oh, wow, good for you for, for broadening your horizons. And he said he it hasn't made the news a lot. It was just in some paper down in Clark County. But Joe Kent apparently six days ago already teased to a crowd what he's going to do, and that is that he's going to run for the 3rd Congressional District again in two years. According to Clark County today, um, he was at some event um, in Washougal and the Patriots United event. And he told them that he, at the time, this six days ago, didn't expect the ongoing recount to change the outcome of the election. So he kind of knew that he was, in fact, going to officially lose. But he said that he's going to run again in 2024. Uh, he said the election has already been certified. Um, he said that uh, he wasn't going to see concede until he'd reached the limit of what we can do, which was the recount. Da 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 da. But he said uh, that he was going to run for the same seat again in 2024, which I always am so mixed about because you know I look at what happened to Dino Rossi, for instance. You know, Dino Rossi probably was supposed to be the governor. I wasn't around uh, in Washington State during that whole debacle, but I've done enough about it now to know that things were. Highly unusual in the gubernatorial election. And then he turned around and ran for U.S. Senate, correct? And then he ran for the 8th Congressional District. And that's sort of where I picked up on Dino Rossi. And I um, spent a lot of time at Fox on the campaign trail with Dino Rossi and Kim Schreier that year in 2018. And he lost three times. And it's sort of like, at what point do you as a candidate realize that maybe you can't win? Do you think that Joe Kent well, Dino's should... Dino's is hard because he... I mean, most a lot yeah, of people we think say, he did win. Would we be election deniers time. if we say that? Well, he technically did win. He did, and then and they take Then away. he they, lost. They found a tray, a tray of ballots. Yeah, that they had missed. But um, but yeah, for him, I can see him wanting to make up for that, right? But you have to do something different. So obviously, something didn't work. You didn't get elected. So what are you right. going to do that's different? That's going to make you more electable? Then well, I mean, maybe it'll just be staying away from Trump. Maybe it'll be. Uh, I don't know. He seems to be really distancing it from being his fault as a candidate. And, oh, Nicole, my phone's ringing. You silence that? Sorry. Wow, what a failure. Just letting my phone ring in the studio. Um, He seems to be really blaming voter turnout and other issues related to ballots and not so much himself, which I do think you have to be a little introspective. This is a seat that belonged to Republicans. This is a seat that was safely in Republican hands that he lost for Republicans. I do think it may it probably says you went a little I mean, we've said this before, but right now all of the candidates are so far left or so far right and mm-hmm. and you've got to come back to where the bulk of people are. And I think that he banked on the bulk of people being far right, and I don't think that's the case as he predicted. No, and I think that's, that's yeah, and he, he didn't lose by lot. It was one percentage point, and so I'm sure he's thinking, well, I can easily make that up, spend a little more time campaigning, X, Y, Z, but, so he says he's going to run again. So apparently we did know what Joe Kent's big announcement in January was going to be if, if he holds true to that, that he's going to run again in 2024. All right, the Marine Corps, coming up next in the Fastest 15. The Marine Corps, we were, why? Why is there a story about this every single day? 
this um, getting rid of offensive language. You know, we're talking the other day, I think it was Stanford came out with a list of words it wasn't going to use anymore, like American. Because apparently if you call someone an American, then you're just uh, co-opting for the rest of the Americas and uh, suggesting that the United States is just the only country that matters in the Americas. So now Stanford is going to use U.S. citizen as opposed to American, things like that. Well, the Marine Corps, according to Gateway Pundit, the Marine Corps is going to axe the words sir and ma'am. you got to be kidding me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is how, what are they, what are they going to say? What is a gender neutral word? So this is the, the Marine Corps time that broke this. What is a gender neutral word that would equate to that? I believe they're just leaving it out. It's just going to be a yes. Oh, it says, uh, let's see. Oh, the Army, Navy, and Coast Guard effectively de-emphasize gender in an integrated environment. Instead of saying ma'am or sir, recruits in these services refer to their drill instructors using their ranks or roles followed by their last names. Gendered identifiers prime recruits to think about or visually search for a drill instructor's gender first before their rank or role. People really spend a lot of time thinking about these things, oh don't they? Oh, my gosh. A lot of time thinking about these things. One person being offended, which it's not really offended. It's just pointing out something. And it, it changes. It makes everything more complicated. <laughs> yeah. There's this other story, though, today. We'll talk about it here in the Fast 15. Um, that I, I got it. I'm going to get a, little, a lot of grief from the text line for this. But it's in this same vein of like, oh, gender neutral, make everything non-offensive. But this one I tend to agree with. So actor Hugh Jackman has come out and he says that there should be gender neutral acting award categories. I think that's a great idea. Well, I doesn't it just uh, like minimize how many awards, which maybe that's a good thing, too, because well, they kind of go on and on forever award shows. But there's and, a, yeah, there's a, nobody there's, watches them. Anymore, right. But. And there's there's a multiple reasons. Yeah. The award show's got like 150 categories. But why is it best actor, best actress? Why isn't it just the best, the best person the in best leading of the leading role? It's like, because I also, as a woman, like, I don't want to get a job because I'm a woman. I don't want to be, you know, put ahead of others because I'm a woman. I want it to be because I'm the best person for the job or I'm the best sure. person for the role. Mm-hmm. And so I think in this society where we say, oh, we don't, you know, for women, we want to be treated, you know, with the same rights and respect as men, et cetera, which I think is right. What I don't understand, you know, physically speaking. Well, so it, let me just mm-hmm. say in physical events like sports. Obviously, I agree with the gender separation because your gender and what you were born and your uh, physical capability, you're different. Men and women are different. So I agree with separating those uh, events based on gender. But with acting, what sort of differences is there between a man taking on a lead role and a woman taking on a lead role? Well, I think sometimes maybe the roles are different. And I think they've come a long way. I think they are evening out a little bit. And um, But I, I guess it would just be the... You know, it would be I think it can be seen as celebrating women. Right. So celebrating the types of roles that women have to take, like whether and and maybe this shouldn't be the case. But if it's always like an emotional role and so you're putting more emotion into the female roles and so you're celebrating who brought that out, which is different than a man's role where you're, I don't know, going to war and doing something else, because that's typically I mean, there has been G.I. Jane. But that's about the only one I can think of where it's like female in the war. But um, 
But I think I guess it's separating kind of the types of activity you're doing in these roles. Yeah, but like you know. said, I think I think movies have kind of come a long way in that thing with having women leads and men leads. And so Hugh Jackman's argument is like because there aren't just men and women. There's people who are non-gender conforming that he doesn't want to leave out. My yeah, argument is, yeah, I don't. My argument's <laughs> for a different reason. I, I tend to agree that it's like, no, let's figure out who the best best uh, actor in a leading role was this year. Sure. And it doesn't have to be separated by a man or a woman. So although I typically disagree with efforts to make everything gender neutral. To pretend that there is no gender, you mean? Yes. Uh, which gender neutral like. or to pre- pretend mm-hmm. that there's not uh, a gender. I, I tend to agree with this. I don't agree with it for the same reasons as Hugh Jackman. Right. But I'm curious what you guys think. 888 Cairo. on the text line. Do you agree with the sentiment that maybe we make these ca- these acting categories um, like best actor, best supporting actor, just gender neutral, where it's like the best person wins no matter what their gender is. I think just for time's sake, it's a good idea. If yes, you want people to pay sake. attention to award shows again, I agree. Shorten them. So another update to something we were talking about yesterday, speaking of just absolute ridiculousness. So yesterday on the show, there was this um, African-American um, movie critic, and I think it was for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And she just got absolutely eviscerated on Twitter because she called Avatar cultural appropriation. She was angry that they were casting white actors to play what she deemed people of color. Uh, I, that being these blue creatures on and to Avatar. Be clear, there actually were people of color also involved in the cast. Like It's a very mixed cast, actually. But because there was white people even included in that playing blue characters then well, right. she was offended and also apparently and i've never seen avatar but i know the general gist of it apparently some of these blue characters had like braids like hair braids in because it's just a made-up species right right and one of them had these hair braids and she was saying that that was basically cultural appropriation and that a white actor shouldn't have played that role so anyway She gets just eviscerated, including by other people of color on Twitter who said, look, we're trying to get people to pay attention to issues that really, really matter when it comes to um, disparate treatment in this country uh, based on skin color. And you're just making a joke out of it. You're making a mockery out of it by uh, suggesting that we're just going to uh, be outraged by every little thing. Well, apparently this movie critic is not the only one who uh, has taken an issue with Avatar 2, which is, of course, directed by James Cameron. So... Um, indigenous groups are now calling for a boycott to Avatar 2 because they say that it is a white man's fantasy. Okay. So Avatar is, it's called Avatar The Way of Water. And what uh, some of these, uh, it's in this case, it's a Native American film critic, says Avatar The Way of Water is, quote, a white man's fantasy of Native American resistance. What does that even mean? It's blue people. It's it's literally blue people living in in the future. So what they claim is that Cameron based this original film off the plight of the Lakota Sioux indigenous people. That's their claim. And I don't know if that's true. Is that true? Is this based off the plight of the Lakota Sioux people? I have no idea. So this... um. Film critic says you can make up anything you want in a fantastical tale and even have your left-leaning cake, too. Whatever that means. So it's like, 
I don't even if he did base it somewhat off the Lakota Sioux, it's blue people. It's it's blue people in a sci-fi movie. How can this many people be upset by it? I know it's a, it's a different world that we're living in where these movies come out and they're because this one was very expensive to make, uh, as was the first one. And they were hoping it did something close to that. It did not. It failed by their standards, by their expectation standards. I think it still made some money. But but who goes to the movies anymore? And all people do is take pictures, still frames of what they see or take, you know, a promo or the trailer of a movie and they just attack it like this without even seeing it. And they're not even going. They're not going to be paying customers to it. They're not going to buy it online. And that's what I've always thought about this kind of cancel culture, boycott culture. The people who are trying to cancel you, they're not even the people who are consuming your product or doing anything like that. And it's like, that's when I stopped caring, especially when I started working for myself and doing the Undivided Podcast. You know, we operate based on subscriptions and people who like the show can pay $5 a month to, to listen to the show. And that makes everything so much better because they're there. They're on the page. They they, are, they at least support the show enough to be watching. So all this hate I get on Twitter in Seattle, it's like, well, I know that those aren't the people who are, you know, making sure or who are paying to listen to the show. It makes it so much easier just to just tune them out. Mm-hmm. And that's what Hollywood needs to get better at. All these people who have complaints like this, they're not going to watch that movie anyway. Nope. They're not going to watch it anyway. And I just think, do people these days really not have any real genuine problems in their lives? And that's a big part of this victim mentality. You have to make up problems. Every day you have to wake up and make up a problem because you just are not used to operating in a way where you're not offended by every – going through your life offended every day. I promise you life is so much better. If you don't go through it, absolutely triggered and offended by every single thing around you. And that has been the fastest 15. This has been the fastest 15 minutes in the news. Fast, 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 fast. Dory's fastest 15. A world of news in a tiny 15-minute package just for you. Coming up, we're going to talk about a way that you can help kids in need this holiday season. Greg Backey with the Forgotten Children's Fund is going to be joining us to talk about how you can make sure that every kid in our communities gets a gift on Christmas. That's coming up next. Brandy Cruz filling in for Dory Monson. season after all and this week on the Dory Monson show we've been trying to highlight some of the wonderful organizations in our community that are out there helping specifically kids because I mean Christmas time is for kids right and I was uh, Nicole told me about this organization we'll we'll talk about them in a moment but um so I learned recently Nicole you know this I learned recently to ride a bicycle for yeah. the very first time, my fiance, bless his heart, 41-year-old man, was taking me around a park by her house to help me learn how to ride a bike because I never learned as a kid. And part of that was we could not afford a bicycle. And so here I am, you know, 34-year-old woman finally learns how to ride a bike. And so for that reason, what this organization is trying to do to help kids this time of year is very close to my heart. Uh, Greg Backey is the president of the Forgotten Children's Fund. Uh, and they uh, have for years, as part of their toy drops, delivered bikes to kids in need. And they are down hundreds of bikes uh, this year. So Greg joins us here on The Big Show. Thanks for being here. 
Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I have so many questions about learning how to ride a bike at 34. But. Well, it was very embarrassing, but uh, now I'm just scooting around like, well, not in the winter, but no problem at all. Uh, Greg, tell us about the history of the Forgotten Children's Fund. Yeah, it's a it's an all-volunteer organization, and we are a Christmas-based charity. We do operate all year round in, in various areas, but um, it's a Christmas-based charity, and essentially the quick version of the story is um, a little boy back in 1976 had written a letter to Santa Claus um, that somehow ended up at Francisco's restaurant in Burien. And Dick Francisco um, was this enormous man. He was a Marine and also a boxer. And um, he was huge, but he had a he also had a huge heart. And this letter essentially said, you know, dear Santa, mom said that you um, got lost and forgot about us last year. Um, and, and basically that they weren't going to have Christmas. And so, um, please don't forget about us next year. And so Dick, um, you know, took, really took that to heart. And he basically decided at that moment, if there's one kid that, that could write that letter, there's probably thousands. And so he started this organization called Forgotten Children's Fund that essentially gives Christmas to families in need. And, um, you know, provides a full Christmas experience with the Santa Claus and elves and presents and the, and the whole thing on Christmas Eve. So um, obviously it started as a small operation, but it has since um, blossomed into a huge organization that um, we're still all volunteer, but we serve anywhere from about 700 to 900 families around Puget Sound each year. Wow, that's amazing. And so are these kind of um, community gifting experiences or do you go to homes yeah, so we um, usually have between 30 and 40 teams of Santas that go out as, as essentially as Santa's helpers, but we um, we do present ourselves as Santa Claus and, and Santa's elves. Um, Microsoft donates their, if you're familiar with their campus vans, they drive us around in their campus vans with, with Microsoft drivers. Each team has a box truck that is full of toys, um, designated for each family, so they have each child's name on them. Um, families nominate themselves, or sometimes they get nominated by other people, whether it be friends or schools or whatever. Um, and so we put them through a screening process because we really try to focus on families that aren't being helped by other organizations. Sure. And so we go out on Christmas Eve, and um, we are not from Forgotten Children's Fund at that point. We are from the North Pole. <laughs> And we get to go in people's homes. We take pictures, but we, at the very least, sit down and um, we we have usually one to three bags full of toys. And we sit there and open bag one with so each kid gets to open a present in front of Santa Claus. Oh, my gosh. I love this. And so you guys, do you ask, especially this close, right, to uh, Christmas Eve coming up, do you ask that people donate toys and coats, et cetera? Or at this point, is it easier just to make a, a financial cash donation? Yeah, obviously, we appreciate anything. Um, a financial donation is easiest. We have outlets from which we can procure items, whether at wholesale or at, or at extreme discounts. Um, so cash is easiest. Um, but we do accept anything. We have several different organizations that do toy drives for us. Um, I do want to publicly thank Les Schwab. We're one of the beneficiaries of their toy drive. Oh, great. Um, and they do an incredible job for us every year. Um, and so they were just at our at our North Pole warehouse um, last Thursday. Um, but yeah, a cash donation is easiest, and that can be done through our website. 
And your website is ForgottenChildrensFund.org, ForgottenChildrensFund.org. And why are you short on bikes this year? There's a bunch of little future Brandy Cruises out there who aren't <laughs> learning to ride a bike. We can't let them wait till they're 34 years old, Greg. Yeah, well, we don't want them to wait until they're 34 years old because I would imagine it makes it more difficult. But, <laughs> yeah, we um, it, it was just more difficult to procure them this year. And, you know, full disclosure, we probably waited a little bit longer than we normally do. Um, but you know, it's a lesson, lesson learned by us, but also, um, you know, the bike is kind of icing on the cake for a lot of these kids, but every traditionally, every family that requests a bike gets one. Mm. Um, so we'll probably fall a little bit short of that this year, but it, it certainly won't dampen the experience for them. But, um, the bicycle, you know, when you enter a home and one of the elves is wheeling a bicycle behind Santa Claus. To see the kids' face light up when they see that bicycle is is really a cool experience. Yeah, I can't imagine, and it is harder at thirty four. Not the balance is <laughs> is an issue. Um, I, I have one quick question on that. Did you did you learn on like turf, or did you go hardcore and 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 learn on cement? Oh, it was like it was gravel. It oh, okay. was gravel, so, so it was a little difficult. Well, I, I, I did tumble okay. a couple times. Okay. Well, <laughs> nice work. I appreciate the dedication. <laughs> of course. Well, Greg Backey, we appreciate, I mean, bless you for the work that you're doing uh, to help these kids and to help our community. Uh, President of Forgotten Children's Fund, again, for people who are interested as we approach uh, Christmas, the website to donate is ForgottenChildrensFund.org forward slash donate. Greg, thanks so much for joining us on the Dory Monson Show. Hey, Brandy, thank you so much for having me, and congratulations on all your new endeavors. Um, it's been fun to watch uh, your success, too. So oh, we appreciate, appreciate We appreciate all this. Oh, that's so kind of you. And we'll have you back on next year, and we'll check in on the bike supply early, okay? Sounds Nicole, great. can I promise? <laughs> I promised on behalf of a show that it isn't mine. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Let us know. <laughs> all right. Keep us posted. Okay, Greg, thanks. Much more ahead on the Dory Monson Show. Brandy Cruz filling in. This is a uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, so very few lyrics. Oh, okay. It's Dory's favorite Christmas song. I what, think. what is I the mean, song? He requests it often. This is Green Sleeves. Okay. Maybe well, I can't identify. It's very jazzy, so a lot of those songs you kind of have to look at the title to know what it is, because <laughs> otherwise though. it's all kind of all over the place. But it sounds very Charlie Brown, doesn't it? Well, it just sounds nice, elegant. I was asking earlier, we were talking about how uh, Hugh Jackman wants there to be gender-neutral award category shows. And it's like the one gender-neutral thing I'm in favor of. A little split on the text line. 206 says, no, keep the awards for both men and women. 206, and I, I had a hard time figuring out what would they call it. And they said you could call it the best, just the best performer in a given category. And I think that's good. Best performer in a musical best performer in a drama series mm-hmm. what's so hard about that that's no, all right i like that i'm okay with it uh let's see we were also talking about uh this avatar situation 
um, how apparently there is a movie critic, an African-American movie critic who thinks Avatar is um, white people shouldn't play the little uh, blue beasts in Avatar because apparently it's uh, cultural appropriation. And now you have some Native American groups who are calling for a boycott. And I had a lot of people in the comments saying that um, Avatar is just a, a ripoff of it's based on dancing, dancing with the wolves. Yeah, I hadn't heard that before, but a I, couple people said that. I have to confess, I've never seen Dancing with the Wolves. Yeah, I haven't either. It's a Kevin Costner, right? I do love Kevin, but I have never been a big movie person. To this day, I don't love watching movies because I get too emotionally invested in the plot lines, and I'm hmm. a very annoying person to watch a movie with. Oh, interesting. I've never. I mean, I can see that it's like a long time to sit still. All of these different reasons, but I, I can't. I didn't know that was no, why. You're I just too get emotionally too invested. invested too huh. quickly, and then people die, and it's like, well, now my day's ruined. <laughs> so I just, I'm, a, I'm not a good movie watcher. Yeah, stick to a rom com. Rom coms are good. A good comedy. I'm fond of a good comedy. Yep. Uh, Brandy Cruz filling in for Dory Monson today on the big show. What were we told at the onset of COVID? Who who was most susceptible to getting seriously sick at the beginning of COVID? Yeah, what were we told? We all were in trouble. Well, no, there's an obese people. Then obese people. And people with underlying conditions. Remember, it was the elderly Elderly, people who were overweight, people who had comorbidities. Sure. And so that was, I mean, eventually we were all just, you know, lumped into the same category. But for those of us, I mean, and that makes a lot of sense when we talk about common sense and um, science and all that. I mean, if you are already unhealthy or already suffering from an illness, of course, getting another illness on top of that is going to be a bad thing, right? right? That's common sense. So anyway, in our, I feel like we should have a series. Dory needs to start a series with some sort of sounder of today's stupid study, the stupid study of the week. Are they, I told you so. Right. And it's just ridiculous. And it's like, I was ta- talking about um, the other day how some of these medical institutions need to be defunded because it's like you're really spending time studying Mm -hmm. that. So this is from the American Journal of Preventative Medicine. And they come out with this blockbuster headline in the Washington Post. Regular exercise protects against fatal COVID. A new study shows. (laughs) Oh, you mean that people who are in better shape physically are less likely to die from a disease? Wow. It's a good thing they shut down those gyms. Oh, it's where, yeah. Or the pandemic would have been over in three months. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You should have kept the gyms going if that were the case. But it's like this stuff is so common sense. Uh, the study found that even people who worked out as little as 11 minutes a week, a week, which how can you work out in 11 minutes a week, experienced lower risks of hospitalization or death from COVID than those who moved around less. Do we really need a medical institution to tell us that if you're in better shape, I think they've been doing that. You stand a better chance of surviving an illness. Years. It's the common sense stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's, now, this is my latest target to defund. Let's defund the American Journal of Preventative Medicine, although I don't know if it's a, if it's a government-funded entity. But some of these studies are absolutely worthless. We yeah, going go. back to one of the very first things we knew during the pandemic, if you are in better shape, not only are you more likely not to get seriously sick from COVID, but also a host of other uh, issues probably won't plague you if you're in better shape physically. All right, coming up on the big show, we're going to be joined by John Curley's coming in, right? Yes. John Curley's going to join us. The other day I had him hop in on the big lead and 
He got a real sassy with me because I was over complimenting his appearance. He was very sassy on Monday. I was Monday. like, John Curley, you he, look I so hope he settled down. good. You had a, he was so stylish and he just refused to accept a compliment from me. Easily offended. John Curley. Apparently he's <laughs> in that category. Very easily offended. Easily triggered people. All right. Much more ahead on the Dory Monson Show. Brandy Cruz filling in.